this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we're offering five conversations from Episode 7, our review of the new AASLD NAFL practice guidelines with Ken Cousy. Plus, from the vault, conversation 59.3 from Season 2, in which we discussed a then-recent article from Jeff Lazarus and Jorn Schottenberg titled Advancing the Global Health Agenda for NAFL. This week's vault comes from December 2021, Season 2, Episode 59.3. Back then, Stephen Harrison was our co-host and Jorn Schottenberg, a frequent guest. This episode featured Jorn and Jeff Lazarus discussing their groundbreaking paper, Advancing the Global Health Agenda for NAFLD. This particular conversation focused on what would come next after the publication of their visionary paper and what kinds of backing its concepts would need from the healthcare and commerce communities to have necessary impact on global fatty liver disease. 18 months ago, it presaged some of the issues we face in Nashville today and touched on some of the needs and key points of this recent AESLD guidance. So sit back, listen, enjoy, and learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. That makes tremendous sense. Why don't we dive into what comes next? Jeffrey Lazarus. Well, yeah. What comes next? You'll have to also tell me what you want next. I mean, what I'd like to see is the coalition that we put forward, the collaboration that we have continue. So we'll be having a discussion at Wilton Park. Everyone's invited. It's obviously virtual now. Next week to talk about how to move the agenda forward and going into 2022, we'll be talking about how, again, from this public health perspective, we can build a truly global coalition. Everyone is fully inclusive. There's no ownership. It's very transparent. It's something more along the lines of the World Hepatitis Alliance than it is a, let's say, or the Eurotest initiative than it would be a, you know, a single organization leading it because we all have the common goal, but someone needs to grab the bull by the horns and, and start making this happen. We're going to have a paper out soon, a much smaller Delphi process. Might not qualify to make it onto Surfing Nash, but basically what we do is we put NAFLD into the context of the Sustainable Development Goals. And we show how, you know, when you have targets in the Sustainable Development Goals, like having green spaces nearby or having a safe place to walk near your home, that that actually is, is a way of starting to measure if we're going to be able to properly address fatty liver disease to understand that if our urban spaces aren't fit for purpose and people can't walk, bike, and otherwise exercise, we're going to have problems um, due to the sedentary lifestyle, the diet and exercise issues we're facing. So we have that coming out as we try and elevate this into the SDGs, but I think we're going to also need to be working at the national level. That's how big change came about with hepatitis. There was no strategy until certain patient groups discussed with certain governments about getting this onto the World Health Assembly agenda, onto the standing committee of the executive board of the World Health Assembly. So we're going to need to be very strategic. We're going to need to discuss with our colleagues about how to do that kind of advocacy, how we can build on the models of care that we discussed in the last program and that we revisit in the consensus statement, because those models of care are multidisciplinary. So again, I don't think the liver field is going to have success going it um, alone. And while we can recruit diabetes and obesity, maybe even cardiology to the cause, I think we're going to have to think a lot bigger about what a statement it is on our society when our livers start failing. I'll just end on the note that this week, Easel and, and The Lancet will launch a commission that, that looks specifically at that issue. Three-year commission looking at sort of the liver as a window onto, in this case, European society and how we're so focused on dealing with end-stage liver disease and, and not on prevention. And part of that prevention is making sure our environment is much more improved so we're able to address the underlying factors that lead to fat 
fatty liver disease in the first place. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, Jeff, you, you talked about a window. I use the phrase, the canary in the coal mine. You know, that's essentially what the liver is for metabolic sensing for our body. And that's a phrase I like to use with my patients. The younger ones have no idea what that means. I have to explain that. The older ones tend to get it, particularly when you bring up the word coal mine. They're like, what? We don't do that really, do we? That's all, you know, the green part coming out. But just to your comment, I, I like to look at this as two pillars that need work and they have to be done in parallel. You mentioned spaces and places for people to go and exercise. I get it that we need that. That can't happen unless the phrase I use here is heart transformation leads to behavioral modification. If you don't change the heart and the mind, they're not going to go and do the things they need to do to make those inherent dramatic changes in their lifestyle. Think about it. The average age of a NASH patient is mid-50s, early 50s, mid-50s, my age, 52. And as a retired colonel in the Army, I tell my patients, look, I let you do it your way for 52 years. And this is where we wound up. You have NASH with stage 3, stage 4 disease. Obviously, that didn't go well. So now I need you to do it the colonel's way. I need you to understand that if you don't have a dramatic change, a 180-degree pivot in the way you're conducting your life, not only will you develop diabetes, but you may die of heart disease sooner. You may die of an extra hepatic malignancy sooner. You may progress to cirrhosis and decompensate. And you need to understand, yes, I am trying to scare you. I am trying to do everything I can in my power to convince you to turn the ship around and go sail in the opposite direction. You need to understand that you can't just dabble around the edges. You have to be all in. This is my analogy of the chicken and the pig at breakfast. You know, the chicken just contributes an egg every morning and is involved. But the pig, he's all in, all in. Ham, bacon, one time he gave it everything. And that's what you have to be. And that's the message we have to convey to our patients. And where does that start? Does that start at the primary care level? Does it start with publications like what what you and and Yorn and others have put out? It really begins there. We have to deliver a succinct message and maybe not the same message to patients as it is to primary care, but we need to deliver a message that is impactful and that at the same time, then we have a message to our governmental agencies that say we have to create spaces and places for people to go and do those things. But quite frankly, that's going to be at the groundswell level as well. If you've got people beating down the door of their local government saying, I don't have anywhere to go work out. My doctor told me I had to, or I'm going to wind up on a liver transplant list somewhere, then that gets the attention of the people that run our country. That was incredibly well put, and the canary in the coal mine definitely resonates, and it's a sad state of affairs that we even need to get that far, but when people are diagnosed, you know, there was this debate some years ago in Eastern Europe, do you encourage people to get diagnosed for HIV in the absence of antiretroviral therapy? And I remember being so surprised that so many people were saying no. And I said, well, I think there's a moral obligation for them to know, and I also think you're building up the group of supporters to do something about it. And I feel the same way about fatty liver disease. I don't want to flood your offices, but I think people need to know that there's one more really important reason for them to start to change their individual behavior. We also know that individual behavior change alone is tough to maintain. So we're going to have to look at, well, what can we change structurally? And that goes into issues like the built environment and even what's in our food. We're going to have to attack this from different perspectives. Louise Campbell. People 
don't hear about fatty liver disease until they're diagnosed with it, sadly. We do have to increase the education around that, the wellness aspect, just people's general awareness. We've had recent publications here about the world's biggest disease that nobody's ever heard of in the national press. There is some traction. It's not necessary exercise. It's increasing movement. Now, that movement could be in your sofa. It could be in the chair. It's not necessarily your thumbs on a Game Boy, but that's how I am. But I think there are ways when you speak to individuals that you can put something in. That's really encouraging for those individuals because otherwise they feel that there's nothing they can do. There's no change. They don't have the equipment. I have a conversation with one of my previous consultants. We must get the heart rate above 135 to fat burn. We've got to start walking first. So it's about realistic. And I think where healthcare has lots of basic strengths is we have all of the equipment. We have all of the specialists. They're not necessarily all in the right order and all in the right place. If you play a tune in all the different notes, you may have all of the notes, but in the wrong order. So what we need to be a little bit more savvy with is coordinating that. Jeff is absolutely right. This has to be linked to the SGGs. If you look at Al Capone, they got him on tax evasion, not anything else. Go for some Something where it makes a difference. We cannot do the whole lot, but the one SDG that we are never going to hit is the rise of liver cancer. Cancer is not going to hit its SDG because liver cancer has exploded around the world. So that's probably the one weak point the WHO have. Unless the liver community and they target the liver, we are not going to get anywhere near that one SGG. So that's the Achilles heel for the SGGs as far as I can see them where liver is. So go for the weak spot. Let's get them engaged in that. We've got Australia cascading up with liver cancer. It's now making the national press. So there are ways we can coordinate it. All of these governments, and I've said it before, they're all signed up to SGGs. I would love to see a non-communicable disease coordination in each healthcare area so that they can take the strengths of diet, exercise, and we can use it for everything that's got a common link rather than just siloed budgets and siloed health splitting it. So it becomes more integrated. You combine our strengths So we talk about the Mediterranean diet, but there's got to be an equivalent diet in each cultural norm and something that people can see within their own area. So there's lots of strengths we have. We just need to play all of the notes in the right order, I suppose. I fully agree. And Louise, in addition to the SDGs you mentioned, cancer in Europe, we have the Beat Back Cancer Plan. The European Commission and the Health Commissioners take cancer very seriously. And we know from the JAM Oncology GBD paper a few years ago that liver cancer is the second leading cause of disability-adjusted life years. And we know, not just because we have less hepatitis C, but we know that fatty liver disease is now becoming the major contributor to liver cancer. So again, we need to talk about cancer prevention when we're talking about fatty liver disease. I feel like we have to get fatty liver disease into everybody else's agenda. If that's how it is, that's fine with me, whatever works. Whether it's the SDGs, the cancer plan, maybe a reach with cardiology, but certainly with obesity, diabetes, and at some point we really have to get primary care understanding that when they're already working to motivate their clients, their patients, to lose weight and exercise more. Fatty liver disease can contribute to the argument. I don't think it will be the reason that they take on that issue. It's sort of one more tool in the arsenal. So, Jeff, Stephen, I know you have to leave in a couple of minutes. I have a thought, but before I do that, let me give you a chance to close out. My closing question today was going to be, for each of us, the one inflection point that 
you think has to get hit the hardest and can get hit the hardest, two different issues, in terms of increasing salience, awareness, and action against NAFL. Places to hit hardest and places you can't hit hardest. It's one point, but it has to be in two parts. Number one is we have to deliver a clear message, and it can't be convoluted by saying fatty liver is important here, but it's not important here. The prevalence is higher over here, here. I think what we need to do is say, look, give me something simple. Give our doctors on the front line, our providers on the front line, something real simple to go after. We're probably very realistically, we're under two years to a first FDA approved treatment for NASH. It's coming. We're getting really good at our non-invasive tests. We will be beyond the biopsy, I think, sooner than most people realize. So what is that right patient population look like that I need to go after to target and have a conversation to say, look, if you don't shape up, bad things are going to happen to you. If you go and talk to primary care and say, we just need to focus on fatty liver patients, then what you get from an endocrinologist, for instance, is I've never seen a fatty liver patient progress to cirrhosis. That's because by the time they're cirrhotic, they're seeing a transplant surgeon and they never come back to the endocrinologist. We have to deliver a very simple, pragmatic message. And we can build around that nucleus of a message in concentric rings as we get better therapies and better diagnostic tests. I said this in our post-grad course talk at WASLD. We're at the right plane level of diagnostics and the right plane level of public awareness. We're not at the fifth generation strike fighter. We don't have a way to measure the disease effectively, diagnose the disease effectively and efficiently. We don't have treatment for the disease. It's very targeted, precision medicine, laser focused. It doesn't mean we can't begin to deliver the right message for public health. So I think it's two-pronged. Let's get real simple with our message and let's put a massive multimedia campaign together to get there. Publications, presentations, you know, working with our patient advocacy groups, working on Capitol Hill, et cetera. Thanks, Stephen. And if you got to jump, jump. I do have to jump, but let me say, Jeff, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you for all your work that you're doing in this field. I know you're involved in many different areas and we're thankful for your time that you give us in hepatology. And Jorn, thank you for your time and Louise as well for staying up late and being on with us again. Roger, I appreciate it and I'll leave it to you guys. That's very kind of you. Thank you, Stephen. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next week to discuss digital therapeutics and apps and their place in health practices in the U.S., the U.K., and other countries. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.